One of the things that have really happened during the pandemic is that we are really seeing emerge the great leaders, the really excellent organizational leaders and managers who have really stepped up their game to ensure that their employees are satisfied or fulfilled, safe and healthy, and really looking after after the workforce. So this is, for example, one of the issues that we're going to be discussing in this episode of the Work-Life Hub podcast. Our guest is Dr. Tracy Brower. She is a PhD sociologist studying the sociology of work and the changing nature of work, workers and workplace. She is the author of a new book that's going to come out, The Secrets to Happiness at Work, and also a previous book, Bring Work to Life by Bringing Life to Work. She's a contributor to Forbes.com and Fast Company, and a principal with Steel Cases, Applied Research and Consulting Group. Uh, you can find Tracy Brower on LinkedIn, Twitter, or tracybrower.com. So if you are interested in what are the fundamental human needs that drive us at work, what are some of the aspects and elements to happiness and joy at work, even in the times of a pandemic, and what can leaders do to take care of their workforce now and for the future, this episode is definitely for you. So enjoy, and I look forward to your comments and feedback. Welcome to another episode of the Work Life Hub podcast. Each week, we bring you an inspiring guest to help you discover the new world of work and learn how your organization can reach its full potential. Thank you for tuning in and spending some time with us today. To find out more about the Work Life Hub, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to the listeners of the Work Life Hub podcast, this new episode. And I'm just so happy and thrilled because a longtime uh, friend and idol of ours at the Work Life Hub is actually joining today's episode. And it's uh, Tracy Brower joining me from the United States. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Agnes. So great to be here. You are my idol as well. <laughs> so it's it's a it's a mutual admiration in the, today's episode. Um, you know, Tracy has been doing wonderful work, and we really started to follow her work and 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 read her work since 2014. And Tracy is a returning guest. She was on our uh, podcast already in 2014 with her first book, uh, "Bringing Work to Life," uh, which, if you haven't read, I highly encourage you to to buy and read it. Uh, and today's discussion is going to be a bit of a mixture of uh, between um, Tracy's most recent research into happiness at work and also, um, you know, the pandemic, which we, of course, cannot really ignore. So um, I wanted to ask you to begin with, Tracy, how do you define happiness at work? How, what's your definition of joyful work? This sometimes seems to be a little bit of a cliche. Sometimes it seems to be overused. So I just wanted to get your researchers take on it. Uh, what is it to you and how do you define it? Mm, boy, that is the biggest question as we start out. I really love that. You know, I think that we need to think about happiness and joy holistically. And I think we need to think about it in a more long lasting kind of way. If we're happy at work, if we have joy at work, it may not mean that every single day is full of, you know, butterflies and lollipops and, you know, we're sort of singing in the streets. It's not 
a 100% every single minute kind of experience. I think it's more about a general sense of um, peacefulness, a general sense of kind of being in the right place and making a good contribution. It's a general sense of um, positivity and a general sense of optimism. And that comes with ebbs and flows. It comes with ups and downs. But kind of overall, it's that resilient feeling of positivity. That sounds great. And, you know, I, I just love it because, um, first of all, I'm, I'm sure you agree that there's this challenge around the definition of work-life balance, right? We kind of understand what it is, but it's a little bit controversial. It's a little bit overused. Um, and I think a little bit maybe that's what also applies at, at happiness at work. It's not your cartoon version, as you say, of skipping in the street, but it's that that fuzzy feeling of well-being of of as you say very rightly being in the right place at the right time you know feeling this uh, uh peacefulness but also empowered and 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 um and just happy what we associate with that very mindful of it's not all the time, right? Mm, that's so well said. Yes. And multiple right answers for different people and ebbs and flows over our, you know, weeks and months and years uh, as we as we're working and living. I think it's a great point. Now, uh, I wanted to also ask you about um, expectations from both employers and employees. Um, and I think this is something that I see coming out more and more um, as the, the pandemic has really um, accelerated transparency in organizations with the Zoom calls. We're no longer, you know, really hiding in this uh, ideal worker norm. We, we have to advocate more. We have to speak up more. We have to make our voices heard more, I think. Um, and so, you know, there's maybe now a clash or, or more visibility to to what employers are expecting from employees and what uh, what employees are expecting from their employer in terms of what is work, what's the place of work in our lives, how we are supposed to be feeling when we're at work, especially I think with the pandemic when people are struggling as well. Um, do you also see this? Do you see that there is a, a contradiction and, and maybe different expectations from the two sides? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think our conception of work over time has shifted. And I think, you know, previously we may have thought that, you know, work needed to be all encompassing and, and work needed to be your primary uh, priority in life. And if it wasn't, you weren't adequately committed to the, you know, company or to your job. And I think we've become so much more enlightened, shall we say, over time that, Work is part of a full life. Um, but I also think that it's important for us to know that hard work is a good thing. I think we, we don't want to go too far in the other direction um, either, where we think, oh, you know, work was hard today or work was a challenge today. Those are not bad things. Those are actually good things. When we feel challenged, when we feel engaged, when we have that ideal level of kind of um, contribution that we're making that isn't so easy that we don't have to think about it, that is really rewarding. So I think I think we want to consider hard work, work that challenges us, 
work that is rewarding both extrinsically and intrinsically as really good things. And I think the other thing for me about the way we conceive of work is that we are empowered to make that our own. And you used the word empowered just a little bit ago. And I think that's a critical thing. It's it's not like we um, need to go to our companies and kind of, or our organizations and, and kind of have them lay out our work for us on a silver platter and have it match exactly our needs. We have a give and take relationship and we want to kind of grab that empowerment. We want to empower ourselves to cr- create the conditions for great work. Our companies, our organizations have a responsibility to create those conditions. And we can empower ourselves to create those conditions as well by choosing, you know, the kind of work we're doing, by choosing the way we engage, by choosing the people with whom we're connected in terms of our colleagues, by giving feedback to our leaders and to our employers. So I think it's definitely a two-way street and hard work. It can be very empowering. So how is it possible to, to get that sweet spot? What, what are maybe the, the things to look out for if you want work to be both challenging, so not too easy, but also not too draining, not too straining? You want to um, give empowerment, but not too much autonomy, not some kind of free fall. Do you have any... Uh, maybe one or two of your, perhaps your favorite practices on how a workplace, uh, an employee-employee relationship or manager-employee can get that right? On how, how do you figure out what, what is this this place where, where this happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, this is a super simple framework, but a framework I really like is a two-by-two that says, what do I have to do in my job and what do I love to do? And you want as much overlap of those two things as possible. And I think depending on how much overlap you have, you may be in a sweet spot and, you know, that's all good. If you don't have enough overlap between those things, I think that's the moment where we're giving feedback to our employer, where we're seeking that better fit in terms of a role within our current employer or maybe a different employer. Um, And I think that we can really have that open communication between leaders and employers and employees. What do I need? How do I need to grow? Um, One of the things that I've written about in the past is just the idea that um, we want to see a future in our roles, in our organizations. We want to have that opportunity to grow and to stretch And that's different for everybody. That may not always look like climbing a hierarchy. It may look more like spreading out across a matrix and building our social capital. Um, But I really like that idea of trying to find as much intersection between things that I have to do and things that I love to do. Because every job has a mix, right? Um, And you just want to have as much overlap as you can. Absolutely. And uh, I think what you're saying is so true about wanting to see a future because after a while, your work becomes routine mm-hmm. and it flattens out a little bit the excitement and the, the honeymoon phase and the learning is maybe flattening out. And, and that's when, you know, you either stay in that role, but maybe you get disengaged or get bored and look for excitement or look for these challenges maybe elsewhere, or you start looking for a new job. So it's important for managers to even if it's in an environment where the employee wouldn't necessarily know how to 
you know, advocate for themselves or communicate this, but for the manager also to, to understand where to see the signs, what to look out for. Yes. And I love your point about learning, like new learning is such a source, I think, of motivation and engagement, even if we stay in the same job, you know, the same job description or the same role, that new learning and that new challenge can be such a source of motivation. And I think it's important to look holistically at the work-life kind of ecosystem. Sometimes if we're feeling frustrated with our paid work that we do, you know, eight to five or nine to five, Monday through Friday, if we find other ways to express our gifts and talents, that can actually make us more satisfied in our work. So maybe I'm not getting as much as I want in a certain part of my life, but I can, you know, take a leadership role in my neighborhood association, or I can, you know, uh, take a take a role at my child's daycare or something that starts to give me those opportunities to express my talents and ways. And so thinking about that happiness and satisfaction in a big picture of an ecosystem work life can actually have positive seepage back to my, you know, my, my job proper. So just a new way to think about it. I love, I love this, the work-life ecosystem. Um, It's so true. Um, And, you know, I heard just recently somebody tell me that recruiters are a little bit worried because they're not, their people are not applying for jobs. Mm-hmm. So somehow it seems like in the second year of the pandemic, people are sitting still, you know, they're, they're holding out. We know that, you know, probably leaving intentions will not decrease, but, but they're afraid to move and, and take the risk. So um, perhaps it's an opportunity also for employers to see how they can maybe, you know, include new learning or new challenges or new horizons, new new options for the employees who are maybe already kind of quite disengaged. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've written about that exact topic and I I called it pandemic paralysis where, Mm -hmm. you know, it makes sense that we've hit the pause button to some extent, but what we don't want to do is go overboard toward paralysis where we're losing the opportunity to grow and learn and stretch. Things may be really different, but keeping moving is a really, really good idea. What's the, there's a quote um, about, you know, in order to keep a, a bike in balance, you have to keep moving. (laughs) yes over right life is a little bit like that as well absolutely now um, I know from your previous research and your and and your work that you're uh, looking a lot into fundamental human needs Mm -hmm. and how they manifest in the world of work what what are the drivers that that um, influence us at work and I wanted to ask you if you could maybe just remind listeners a little bit what they are because i think if uh, it's that's a very very useful framework and a very very interesting optic to to look through um from time to time and then maybe as a second follow-up question how you see them in the context of the pandemic evolving mm-hmm. yeah that's you know it's so important to really really understand those needs and it's interesting um there was some beautiful research that was done across multiple uh, countries and multiple societies and found that many of these needs are fundamental no matter where you are or who you are. So that gives extra credence when we see it across multiple societies, um, that it really is something kind of deep within us that we need. 
need. And, and one of those things I think is um, really a sense that we matter, a sense of purpose. And I think that's been tough in the pandemic as we've had more distance um, from our work. We need to see that line of sight. You know, I serve him and he serves her and she serves the final customer, right? So whether it's a literal line of sight or a figurative line of sight, we need that connection to the big picture and how my work ladders up to that big picture and how that matters to people. And we can seek that for ourselves, thinking about kind of our purpose and how that ladders up. And I think leaders can provide that as well, that sense of what is it that we're doing that matters, reminding us. I think we need a really, really clear sense of belonging, of connection, of community. Um, I heard a wonderful uh, presentation recently from a neuroscience perspective, and it actually said, you know, belonging isn't just being with other people. It's not just kind of showing up and being in a group together virtually or um, physically. It really has to do with a sense of common social identity, common Mm -hmm. identity and and kind of mutual dependence. And so we can look for that ourselves to connect, connect, connect. Some people need less connection if they're introverts um, or if they just, you know, tend to work more alone. That's really cool. We all need different amounts, but every human needs that fundamental connection. And I think the other thing that's an interesting one to look at is kind of this idea of safety, psychological safety. More and more, we're worried about our physical safety or physiological safety um, because of the pandemic. But I think psychological safety as well. We are seeing through the pandemic um, connected with less community and less belonging we're seeing more and more mental health issues uh, arise. And that has everything to do with psychological safety, right? Like feeling I can bring my whole self to work, feeling a level of trust, feeling that level of proximity, that affinity distance that matters in terms of feeling like I've got that closeness and connection with others. So those are some of the things that are fundamental. And I think the last thing is just this idea of learning and growth and resilience. That's critical to a healthy community and it's critical to healthy members of a community. And we get that significantly through our work. And that's been something that, you know, has also been tougher through the pandemic. So the opportunity is, oh my gosh, what are we, what are we learning through all of this? And in what ways can it actually make us stronger? What's the opportunity for post-traumatic growth um, as an alternative to, you know, post-traumatic stress? I love I love these uh, different points and thanks for taking us through these these needs um, and you know already the, the first one about purpose I don't know about you Tracy but when I speak to some people they they are really questioning their their work I spoke with a dear friend of mine and and she said well you know I'm just working for a company that makes kids clothes in a very negative way. I think on the one hand we had so much communication from the media about the essential workers which I I understand and we need them and you know they're doing over they're just going above and beyond to to be there for for all of us but but leaders need to also strengthen the communication in their own teams right to to make sure that that the employees do not lose a sort of a self-esteem just because they have a job you know 
Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that the, the way that I like to think about it is almost in a logic train. Like there's always some connection to that bigger picture. I was talking to somebody who worked at a company that made hardware, you know, like hooks and doorknobs and things like mm-hmm. that. And they said, well, how can this possibly matter very much? And, you know, like what they came to was, gosh, I make things that contribute to the aesthetics in an environment. And people have a fundamental need for beauty and for positive aesthetics around them. And that contributes to the broader society. And so I think that we can use a logic train to think about, you know, my work contributes to this, which is about that, which is about a bigger purpose. But I think the other thing is to also dream small, you know, like it's really okay if we think about our purpose as making a contribution to the world in a small way, bringing home a paycheck that yes. contributes to our family. Like, like I think sometimes we use, we use the word purpose with a big giant capital P and we think, oh my gosh, if I'm not solving, you know, world peace or world hunger, I, I don't have a great purpose. And we all contribute to a community. Um, whatever that contribution is, we are contributing um, as a member of a community, as a member of a group. And, and those are really, really noble things. Um, you know, uh, all work has a dignity. I am such a true believer in that. Um, and so we just need to be really, really confident and mindful about the dignity that our work brings, no matter what it is. So true. And, and just to your point, I was saying to my friend, you know, I, you know, we cannot travel, we're restricted in so many ways, but I just went and bought some kids, you know, bought some clothes for my kids. And that was such a joy to be able to do that and get them some, you know, some cool t-shirts and, and, and that made me feel good. That made them feel good. So thank goodness for the people who are making them too. Um, so absolutely. And, and I think, you know, these are so interconnected because as we're losing all of this connection and the belonging by being so isolated, we're also losing probably this perspective and, and, and this, our chain in the logic train of wh- where do we all connect together, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that linkage is a really, really big big deal. And, and for us to remind ourselves of how that connection is occurring um, is so important. Yeah, you make such a good point. You make such a good point. And we can be helpful to each other, right? Like, like we will all have ups and downs. But, um, you know, when I'm down, hopefully you're up and you can pull <laughs> me along and vice versa, right? Like that's part of our responsibility to the community as well. And I think sometimes, you know, like this isn't all about Pollyanna either. Like we do need to give ourselves permission to be down and and to wonder and to validate that we are having, this is hard. This is really hard. And at some level, if you're not struggling a little bit, (laughs) I like to know what rock you're living under because I might just want to join you there. (laughs) You know, like it's really okay that we give ourselves permission to not always be okay. And after we have that moment to wallow, we can kind of, you know, stand up and move forward and, you know, find a way through. So I think it's a little bit of both. 
Absolutely. Um, in your uh, research, in your work uh, of you know obser- observing what is happening, have you come across uh, maybe one or two examples of how leaders could tackle one or the other uh, human need and, and strengthen employee engagement, strengthen the well-being of their employees, and uh, I guess by proxy also have a, have an impact on 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 performance. Yes, absolutely. Leaders have such an outsized role to play. One you referenced earlier is the idea of lots of communication and transparency. You know, one of the things that we found is that people are increasingly looking to their organizations as a single source of truth. When we have so much information coming at us and we're overwhelmed and so much feels out of control, It's so helpful to look to our leaders and our organizations to say, okay, what should I be paying attention to? What does this mean for our organization? What does this mean for my job and me in particular? So communication and transparency is one. Another one is empathy and making sure that leaders are staying super present and accessible for people. There was a beautiful study that looked at when people felt like their leaders were more empathetic, they tended to report a greater sense of mental health and well-being. So leaders being really empathetic is another Um, leaders really being clear with people about purpose and how their work matters. We talked about that. I think leaders, too, who can connect people with each other and not just in terms of um, relationship connections and, you know, uh, virtual happy hours. That's great. But also task connection is where we really, really thrive together. So leaders who help connect their teammates to each other. And then finally, leaders who hold people accountable um, and find that right mix of giving people space to work through things and to, you know, have their challenges and figure out their new right answer to childcare or learning or, you know, finding their way through, um, giving people space for that, but then also reminding people how much their work is critical and holding people accountable to results. Because that's actually really empowering to know that I matter enough that you need what I'm doing in mm. terms of my work. So those are a few things I think leaders can do to, to really help people through and to help themselves through as well. These are great. I, I, I took a lot of notes and I'm sure listeners as well. Now, before we move to the last question, um, Tracy, you also have a new book coming out. Would you like to tell listeners about it and also maybe share a link to your website or where they can find out more, where they can maybe pre-order the book? Mm, I'd love to. Yes, I'm super excited about it. Uh, It's called The Secrets to Happiness at Work. And it's really all about this idea of joy and happiness and how we empower ourselves to get there through the choices that we make um, and through the ways that we can just really, really thrive in our work. So um, it's available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes and Noble. It's available on multiple sites. Um, You can find it at tracybrower.com. I've got links to the places where you can pre-order it, or you can, you know, look on one of the major booksellers. It's on those as well, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, things like that. So the secrets to happiness at work is is my new baby, and I'm super excited about it. Um, and I think it's it's coming out in May, right? Uh huh. And I think it's very timely because. Um, I am so sure that many of the people and, and listeners are, and everybody I think is 
doing using this pandemic to reevaluate a little bit their lives. Somebody told me that the pandemic and the lockdowns have really confronted us with our pre- previous choices in life mm-hmm. uh, because you find yourself stuck, you know, with the job you have, with the partner you have, with, you know, your situation you have. And, 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 you know, I, I think as soon as we come out of this paralysis, what you wrote about uh, is going to be very, a very important uh, light tower, I think, for people to, to see, okay, what kind of a role I want to play in my work and in life and, and, what to look out for when I want to have a job where I'm going to feel happy and fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think we have this kind of new level of consciousness through its absence. We are so appreciating <laughs> everything. <laughs> and I love your point about choices. You know, like we're, we're thinking consciously about the nature of our work, the nature of our workplaces, the nature of our employers, the nature of our work colleagues. And all of that gives us an opportunity to really renew and, you know, reflect and refresh. So it's a, a, a great opportunity to move forward really positively. Excellent. So coming to the the last question, which is more or less always the same here, uh, tapping into your wealth of experience and insight, Tracy, what would your message be to to senior leaders who are also maybe now a little bit waking up to, okay, maybe the things I've done, the way I've done things in the past, (laughs) I need to change them. We're coming to something new and and there are new needs and new uh, situations. So what would you say they could take action on in in this current situation, in the current context? If you could give them one advice to focus on, on to take action on, what, what would that be? Mm-hmm. I think that taking care of themselves is a really good place to start. Um, I think this is the moment when the best leaders will really, really rise um, and they will be models for others um, only because socially we just watch other people. The number one way that we learn is through watching other people, whether we're conscious of that or not. So when leaders can be motivated and engaged and um, really whole themselves, they'll be really, really powerful models for others. And so, um, you know, to be flexible, to value people for, you know, everything that they bring, um, not just, you know, the, the hands that turn the crank um, or the, you know, the brains that, uh, that bring the brilliance, but, you know, kind of that whole person to the extent that they're able to value that in themselves and in others. I think that will be a really positive model um, for everyone to be learning from. I think so true, so point point because I, I I get a bit of a sense of that already, you know, of of really separating out the leaders who have installed, you know, without hesitation, who have said to the people, you know, take the office chairs, we'll deliver them to you, or here we're setting up a whole floor, we're setting up an education or learning pod for the kids to, you know, when schools are closed or, you know, take this month off paid or, you know, these leaders have been so inspiring and, and you can see them and, and they're there. And, and I'm, it's exactly as you say, they are modeling a new way of, of leadership behavior. And, and of course, the servant leadership, which you, of course, are a fervent uh, advocate of. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that that is going to set such a tone for us moving forward. And we have this amazing opportunity to take work and to think differently about work and to move work forward in new ways to accelerate. Like we may have already been thinking about a lot of these ways to offer more flexibility and to give people more options and more choice and control. But now we might be able to move that forward even faster because we've expanded our openness, hmm. um, expanded our, our thinking about work in some really new ways. You know, one of the primary ways that we shift belief is through shifting experience. And we have all had such yes. experience, right, in the last year. So this is the moment when we can really impact belief in some new ways. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Tracy. This has been a joy and a great deal of happiness for me <laughs> to be able to interview you for the Work-Life Hub podcast. And uh, we're going to keep our eyes peeled uh, on the book coming out and hope to have you back for, for another chat when, once it's out again. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It makes my day to talk to you. You're, you're just, you've got such a bright spot and you're bringing so much. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much.